going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. going on everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will pilot on twitter instagram and tiktok another episode today just me normal monday episode unfortunately not a victory monday episode uh for the new york jets and, and a turn on the jets podcast uh, victory monday a bit more of a uh in badlands terms a bit more of a therapy session a lot to kind of go over and break down uh, as normal this will be a quick 10 15 minute uh, you know, solo pod, and then you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week, we'll we'll have some special guests, potentially a, another one tomorrow as well, um, as this is one of the biggest Jets games of the year for many reasons, which I'll get to at the end of this episode. But let's kind of start off with the with the elephant in the room, which is the officials and how this game ended last night. Obviously, the Jets lose twenty three to twenty, really riveting, exciting, uh, exciting Sunday night football game. The Jets brought it, you know, two prime time games in a row, two of the best games of the year. Obviously, Jets Bills Week One. And now, uh, you know, Jets Chiefs week four. Let's start with the officials because, you know, it's obviously something that has been much talked about by a lot of people around the league. And a couple of different things were at play here. Do I think that technically Sauce Gardner held on that play? Sure. Um, you could call holding on any play, though. That's that's the way the NFL works. Was Jermaine Johnson held on a third and 20 and third and 22 as well? Yep. And guess what? They held that they, you know, Donovan Smith and uh, – Juwan Taylor were holding about every single play, uh, you know, throughout the game. So what was kind of happening throughout the game is there was a physical battle. They were kind of letting the guys play a little bit. It was a bit surprising to start off the game. Jermaine Johnson gets a personal foul call, which was a, a terrible call, um, you know, to say the least. You know, Trey Smith's 330, 340 pounds and flopped like a fish uh, by getting touched, you know, gently by Jermaine Johnson, to uh, to put it lightly. So. You know, you get there and you, you're a little frustrated, but then the rest of the game, it felt like they were kind of letting these guys play. They're letting them hit the quarterback a little bit. They're letting the receivers and corners kind of go at it physical. A lot of trash talking, Isaiah Pacheco getting into it with pretty much everybody on the Jets, um, you know, on and on. So a lot of hand fighting in the secondary, you know, a lot of holding on, on the, especially on the Chiefs tackles. It felt like they were holding, you know, virtually every play. And, you know, Chiefs fans, obviously, a little bit annoyed about the face mask and horsepower penalty. I'm not really sure why. Pretty clear. Pretty clear there. Looking at it live, yeah, maybe the slow mo, uh, you know, doesn't look uh, quite as bad. But you know, Bryce Huff got held, or it was a face mask. Either one would have resulted in a safety. So uh, save the shit there. Um, in general, though, my point is the officiating was pretty terrible last night as a whole. But they were letting these guys play, right? So they set the tempo of the game, and, and Sauce Gardner said as much that the reason he was kind of shot they called that, amongst the other things, which we'll get to, which is the real issue here. They let them do that all night, and all of a sudden to just decide now is when you're gonna you know throw the flag the real two issues here is the consistency like i mentioned you know robert Sala talked about today i talked about it on two other shows uh you know yesterday and today you can't have a strike zone for eight innings the entirety of both teams you change their approach to your strike zone and the ninth inning in a three two count with the bases loaded and uh the top of the ninth in a tie ball game or down one run you all of a sudden, you know, call somebody out on a pitch. It's, you know, barely in the zone, but it wasn't, it wasn't in the zone the entire night. Right. So that's the biggest issue here. Um, the second biggest issue, which I would argue is even a bigger issue is 
blatant, you know, calls that led to points. The Isaiah Pacheco first touchdown run. Not only is there a blatant holding on Michael Clemens, who just missed the tackle, but there's a blatant hold. Jamie and Sherwood gets Kurt Angle ankle locked. Can't make the play. The Chiefs score. That's a seven-point, you know, swing there. And the most egregious part is Michael Carter catches that ball, right? The entire stadium goes nuts. Mahomes throws his third interception. Really should have been his fourth of the game. He was pretty awful last night. Uh, you know, by Mahomes standards, obviously had a nice final drive with some with some using his legs. But again, in the air, the Jets kind of had their way better than any team's ever played against Patrick Mahomes, by the way. No one's ever held him under 250 yards uh, with two or more interceptions. Um, so we'll get to the defense in a second, but it's a damn impressive job. Michael Carter catches the ball. The ref double clutches and then decides to throw the flag. After, like, didn't they wasn't going to throw the flag, then throws it. Because Michael Carter catches it. So when you see these people, when you see people saying that's a horrible call or what a joke or, you know, the NFL is rigged and all that stuff, it's it comes from the fact that they basically bailed Patrick Mahomes out of a terrible decision. Not going to mention the intentional grounding, not to mention Garrett Wilson getting held on pretty much every play. But again, you can go tit for tat, right? There's some, some calls the Jets got, some calls the Chiefs got. It just felt like the calls the Chiefs got away with all resulted in points or all resulted in the deciding factors of the game. Again, can you blame the officials? Yes. There's other parts of this game that the Jets are going to look back on and say, damn, we should have gotten there. Um, you know, we should have gotten out of here with a victory. If if Tyler Con- Conklin's able to come up with uh, a scramble go- drill touchdown, if Garrett Wilson, Zach Wilson are able to connect on a ball that they were maybe six inches, nine inches, 12 inches short, whatever, <laughs> whatever they're not a, Amount of feet, whatever, two feet short from from a beautiful go ball, you know, 30, 40 yard touchdown. Um, you know, they're short there. Uh, CJ Mosley had an interception go through his hands that resulted in three points. Greg Zerline misses a kick, resulting in three points. Michael Carter had a drop. So again, there there's things there where the officials are to blame, but at the same time, the Jets could have taken care of business on their own there and, and not left it up to the officials' hands. Again, it's the consistency and the timing with which that's called. It's not even necessarily that he held or didn't hold. It's the fact that if you hadn't called it all game, why are you calling it now? And why are you bailing Patrick Mahomes out from a bad interception? Um, so that that's the officials, right? We'll, we'll get, let's get past that. The biggest positive of the game is obviously Zach Wilson. Um, I, I beat Zach up pretty bad on this pod, you know, a week ago. And, you know, he, he deserved it after the Patriots game. He was putrid and, um, you know, he, he really struggled in the second half. I felt like against Dallas and, at times against Buffalo wasn't great, but you know they're able to get a victory and all that different type of stuff. And obviously, we know the the whole deal, the first two years, and on and on and on. Right? Like we've been over the Zach story a million times. This was probably outside of two plays, Zach Wilson's best NFL start ever, the best he's ever looked. Pretty clean game. He obviously had the fumble, which we'll get to in a moment. Two hundred fifty yards, operating structure within the offense. I think that's the most important thing. He ran the offense the way it's supposed to be run. Was efficient. Was really damn good in play action made some plays outside of the pocket when he needed to, but made all the throws, timing. The Jets' offensive line did a fantastic job, I thought, last night for the most part. Opened up holes in the run game. Were fantastic in terms of pass pro. Zach didn't feel like he got hit a ton. Joe Tittman's been fantastic. The Joe Tittman-AVT partnership um, is something to watch going forward. That's a really nice young core right there on the right side. And Kai Beckton had his ups and downs last night, but again, did a decent job. I thought Lincoln Tomlinson was, was more than efficient. Connor McGovern struggled quite a bit. You know, going against probably the second best defensive tackle in football, I, I get it, but um, he seems to be kind of the weakest link right now in that offensive line. If they can get him playing even average, this offensive line actually has got a lot of potential. Again, I thought they looked really good last night. This is a really good Chiefs defense. Um, but Zach Wilson was awesome, uh, you know, for the most part. Again, the fumble is really disappointing. It sucks because he felt like 
it was there. You know, Zach didn't, didn't start the game great. Felt like the first three drives were like, oh, God, here we go again. It was like, okay, had a couple completions, but, you know, missed a Bruce Hall wide open on a third down. Felt like he missed, you know, a couple other other things there where you're like, ah, oh, man, like, is this going to be – is this what's going to happen again? Then they get the safety, and all of a sudden it kind of clicked for him. And the drive coming out of – you know, coming out of the second half in the third quarter, probably his best drive as a pro, back shoulder throws – throwing seam routes, throwing, you know, absolute rockets, you know, to to his left, which we never see Zach Wilson do. He's using his legs. He's scrambling for a two-point conversion, good contact balance, you know, in the pocket. And it just felt like, again, I don't want to make too much of it from the aspect of it's one game. The Jets did lose the football game. He did have the fumble and all that stuff, right? And we can, we can be negative all we want. But at the end of the day, this is something huge the Jets can build on. And if Zach can even be 75 80% of what he was, you know, last night, give the Jets a chance in pretty much every game they're going to play the rest of the year. The Jets' defense is way more locked in when they they know they have a shot on offense. We saw it against Buffalo, and we saw it the last three quarters against the Chiefs where they felt like they had a shot, and they turned it up big time. Um, I was just really impressed with the way Zach kind of kept his composure, was locked in. It looked like he was having fun, and like he kept his focus pretty much the entire game, which is something, again, we haven't seen. Because again, it keeps coming back to playing within structure, playing within the offense and he was decisive and he quote unquote, let it rip, which everyone wanted all week. This wasn't letting it rip. And, you know, he went, you know, 29 of 51 for 400 yards, but four touchdowns and eight picks. Like, you know, it's not, it wasn't one of those like off script games where he's just kind of YOLO balling at the entire time. So that looked really good with the structure and took what the, took what the defense gave him a lot of, you know, one, two, three plant hitch, you know, or one, two, three, four, five plant and get the ball out. You know, he was comfortable in the pocket and, um, you know, props to him. His career was pretty much on the line. It's his Jets career for at least, you know, that matter last night. And, you know, in, in front of 27 million people and 85,000 in the crowd and all that different stuff, he he showed up and, you know, credit to him. And I, I think this build is a huge momentum builder for the Jets, you know, going into Denver, who's historically right now the worst defense in the NFL through four games we've ever seen uh, by DVOA metrics. So, they got to go in, got to build off this. A lot more Brees Hall off the right side, please. I think it's, you know, Jeremy Rucker, AVT, and, and Lincoln Tomlinson. Uh, I mean, and, uh, and Joe Titman, you know, in that right side run game with Brees Hall running is a scary sight. And you know, Brees is going to break one of these. It feels like he's he's broken, obviously, a few really long ones here, but, you know, hasn't been able to finish it. So there's a one missed block or not able to make the final guy miss. Um, you know, he's going to break one of these and, you know, he is still a special, special player when he's, uh, when he's in the open field there and, and things like that. Garrett Wilson, obviously did Garrett Wilson things last night, Tyler Conklin. I thought, you know, I know he had the, the drop early on, but made some really tough and big time catches, you know, throughout the game. CJ Uzama made a really nice catch. He got one screen called back, which was kind of a joke penalty. Another one, uh, Connor McGovern should have been called for a legal man downfield. Jeremy Rucker was fantastic last night in the run game. When he's on the field, I believe Zach was like 9 of 12 for 148 yards or whatever it was. Um, the run game was more efficient. So, again, keep playing Jeremy Rucker more. We got to see some Xavier Gibson. Saw some McCole Hardman, Randall Cobb, like Alan Lazard had a nice day. The Jets got everybody involved in offense. I think Zach completed a, a pass to 10 different receivers. Um, again, some drops that that are killer on offense and defense, frankly. Um you know, but overall, I thought the offense gave them a shot to win. It, it's just crazy to think, you know, seven, whatever, 24 left in the game. Zach fumbles there and the Jets don't get the ball back. Um, it's a killer because, again, do we know Zach would have go down, go down and win that game? No, but it kind of had that feeling of a night where, um, you know, the Jets were going to end up kind of pulling that game out after st- starting slow. 
Um, let's get to the defense quickly here. And then again, um, touch on one or two other things and, and then kind of move forward to, uh, to, you know, the couple pods remaining this week. Um, again, uh, the defense was one of those, one of those games where kind of similar to Buffalo, they started, you know, they kind of seem to start slow, Dallas, New England, they start seem to have started slow and you never can really tell um, the last three games. Was it, you know, quarterback situation? Was it the offense? What was it? Again, this is probably the best offense in football. And, you know, overall, I thought the defense, they gave up 17 early. Um, it was tough. They got, you know, got screwed on that first drive, obviously between the Bacheco, uh, the two penalties that should have been called on that play, the Jermaine Johnson one, it, it's a tough drive. They hold, you know, or they held them the three and then the next drive, obviously the Pacheco penalty. So it's not 10, nothing when it probably really should have been at most seven or at most six. Um, you know, obviously the kind of busted coverage on the right side, uh, looked like Jordan Whitehead, Michael Carter, and DJ Reed kind of, kind of had some miscommunication there in the busted, uh, busted coverage, of Noah Gray, they locked down though. The, the final three quarters held Patrick Mahomes again, under 250 yards passing, you know, one touchdown, two interceptions. Patrick Mahomes obviously threw a third. Should have had a fourth. Uh, CJ mostly kind of dropped. He caught one later in the game. He had a fumble. He has ended up ended up being being able to recover. So, I mean, I, I haven't seen someone play Mahomes that well. Um, you know, overall, obviously, again, it's disappointing not to get off the field. It felt like just an emotional roller coaster of multiple third and twenties. You feeling like he got them off the field three separate times. You didn't. You get the big turnover, and then you know, third and eight, uh, Mahomes scrambles and kind of. Uh, wins the game for you there. So overall, look, um, I thought the Jets team, you know, rebounded, fought well. Again, you got to start faster, but two games on prime time, you know, they've put out a great showing. A lot to build on with Zach Wilson, a lot to build on with this offense. And honestly, with this defense, should go into this Denver game. Russell Wilson against pressure. Um, you know, we saw this Jets team play Denver last year. They kind of felt like they had their way with them, even when Zach was playing bad and they lost AVT and, and Brees Hall, you know, early on in that game. So must-win game coming up for this week. This is a big week, uh, probably the biggest week of the Jets season. Can you get to two and three? Now you're starting to have some good vibes. You're starting to feel good. The playoffs is still a thing. You're locked in. You get some progress out of Zach. Aaron Rodgers is back and looking good, and somehow his leg has an atrophy, and he's got the mustache and the whole thing. Um, a lot better positive vibes than I think most were expecting this morning uh, to come away with. So, again, multiple pods on the feed this week. You know, excited for uh, excited for a big game in Denver, and then they come home against Philly before the bye, and you know, hopefully they're a chance to go three and three. Philly's begging to lose a game this year. Um, they feel like they've gotten pretty lucky or almost thrown away a couple of different games. You know, can the Jets go to two and three and and kind of put all their eggs in a basket before the bye and somehow find a way to three and three amidst the quarterback play, the injuries, the turmoil? All that said, um, you know, this team has got a chance even at two and four, kind of to make a run of things here. You know, after the bye and and make the playoffs. So. Again, need another consistent performance from Zach. A really good building block. Credit where credit is due. You know, good for Zach, good for this offense. Nathaniel Hackett called a really nice game. The defense snapped into it, you know, in the second, third, and fourth quarter. You know, got to start faster, you know, uh, this week. But, again, you know, props to now they've held, you know, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes to a combined uh, to combined about 42 points, I believe, um, you know, or 43 points, you know, across two games. And, you know, have done a really, really damn good job. Uh, you know, turn the ball over with those two guys. And then the special teams is always, unfortunately, Greg Zerline misses that kick difference in the ball game there. So, you know, got to get that cleaned up. But again, enjoy the rest of your night. Jets lose a, lose a really big, you know, heartbreaker, the officials, some kind of missed opportunities. But 
Um, positive vibes going into a must-win game, uh, you know, this week in Denver. He was not bad in that game. I mean, he had a couple nice throws to Claypool, who, you know, obviously dropped a couple of them, as he's known to do. Like, he, he he's a good journeyman, solid backup, give you a start in a pinch type player, and that is currently an upgrade over Zach Wilson. Yeah, look, I guess I want to kind of transition to, we've talked a little bit about it, but obviously things are going to kind of continue to become more and more clear. A, do you think they make another move at some point this year for a either higher quality starter uh, or not a backup level name? And what are some realistic names? Because you see a lot of different things thrown out there. The one that I think is the most unrealistic, there's some that we will talk about that are realistic, but the Stafford thing's not happening. I know the Jets called on Stafford. I think after week one or before, you know, it was like, oh, this is a hot flashy name. The Rams are going to suck. The Rams are really well coached and are going to be a lot better than people think, especially with how bad, you know, they'll get two wins against Arizona. Like, I just, there's like little wins there that they're going to figure out how to kind of maintain Seattle's nowhere near as good as we thought. Stafford's unrealistic plus the number next year of dead cap money. The Rams are not eating like $68 million. That's unrealistic. They're not falconing this thing with Matt Ryan. Um, what there is some other realistic names. Where do you see of like, what's realistic? What are maybe some, what's some timing that maybe, you know, fans can kind of look for of like, I kind of floated out there post Eagles game. I feel it's the most realistic, especially with one of the names with, you know, where, uh, where the schedule lines up for both the Vikings and the Titans for uh, two teams in specific. Yeah. So of those two, I mean, I think those are going to be the names we hear the most. I, I don't buy the Kirk cousins for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, they, they don't have a backup quarterback, right? I mean, you're lo- you're looking at uh, Jaron Hall, the fifth round rookie out of BYU. He's not ready to play. That's why they brought in Jordan Taamu, who's been like a good F- good XFL player, honestly a fun football player. But again, the Vikings are not going to say, "Hey, Justin, we didn't extend you this offseason. Would you like to play ten games with Jordan Taamu under center, and then we're going to talk extension after that?" He's going to say no. So, um, you know, uh, Cousins to me is not a realistic option. I get their zero and three. They had one score losses at Philly and against the Chargers in a game they very really realistically could have won so and they're in the nfc they could probably figure it out so but to me the other one ryan Tannehill, and it's more dictated by the tennessee titans than it is the new york jets where mike Vrabel sitting in the afc south with one and two jaguars is not going to sit there and give up on the on winning this division and as crazy as he is because like they probably could even though the roster is so bad um they probably could still win this division but if they lose to the Bengals this weekend, maybe lose a couple more games. If they're like one in five, unlike Minnesota, they obviously have Will Levis. They have Malik Willis in the building. They have guys they want to see play. It's the last year of Tannehill's deal. He's not coming back next year. That one, I think, is legit. And, of course, everyone does the dot connecting. But it is meaningful that Todd Downing is the pass game coordinator in New York. It does. It matters. He's been with him for a long time. Um you also maybe could argue, oh, there's potential competition if the Falcons want to quit on Desmond Ritter. Maybe that, you know, forces the Jets to be like, okay, if we want to get this done, like we might actually have to push for it a little bit. But yeah, the compensation wouldn't be too big. So I think the Jets would be open to it. Like you mentioned earlier, they have a first round pick now, not for Ryan Tannehill, but but they have a first round pick now at their disposal, which is nice to have in your back pocket just for adding talent to your roster. That one I do think is realistic, but basically if you're a Jets fan, you have to root against the Titans the next three weeks. Yeah, I'd say root against the Titans for both because they're in your conference, but also because that's probably the biggest path to Jets making the playoffs. Other than Zach figuring it out or Trevor Simeon finding the fountain of youth, it's probably a Ryan Tannehill level player that, yes, Tannehill struggled this year, but the Titans, again, their offensive line's heinous, and we know Tannehill are behind, like, bad weapons and a bad offensive line is is never going to work. Plus the Titans offense has been boring for like 15 years um, at this point. So 
you know, since they lost AJ Brown again, not been the same. He's not been the same quarterback, which the Jets have a mega star in Garrett Wilson at receiver. They have the run game where Tannehill's, you know, thrive, downing, Hackett. There, there's a lot of things there that make a ton of sense. I still think it'd be like a 2025 conditional pick on snaps or how far they go, or maybe it's a 24 day three pick. Again, I know we kind of talked a little bit about it. Can you just explain a little bit the money from the Kirk? And I know we said think Kirk's not as realistic. I, I fully agree. He's a no trade clause. He's not going to go the one in five Vikings to the two and four Jets. It doesn't really make a ton of sense. If he did, it's great. The Jets are should be a playoff team. With Tannehill, it should be a playoff team. Frankly, with any league average quarterback, they should be a playoff team. Um, I guess we'll wrap up with these two things. But can you just explain it, the the Kirk and um, and Tannehill money and how that could potentially work down in the future here? Because it's the Jets have cap space, but again, these contracts are not just like dollar for dollar. So the way it breaks down, money wise, it does. It's easier with Kirk Cousins, but again, we don't see it happening. But nevertheless, the way you do it is simply, you know, going over the cap.com, go look at the guy's base salary. So not his cap hit, his base salary, divide that number by 18. And then however many weeks we are into the season, subtract that amount out, right? So let's say we're talking that it's going to happen in week six. So like, or like after six weeks, right? You just take two thirds of the guy's salary that would travel to the, to the Jets. So for Kirk, after you know he has a ten million dollars salary, so you wait after six weeks, a third of it gets chopped off. You're bringing in a six point six seven million dollars salary. The Jets can obviously fit that in. I think that draft capital would probably cost you a little bit more, but nevertheless, with the Titans, Tannehill does have a twenty seven million dollars salary, which is pretty darn big. But again, with every week that passes by, one and a half million dollars is going to the Titans. Um, so you know, again, after week six. You chop off whatever that would be. Uh, trying to do math on the fly here. Uh, you know, uh, what nine million dollars? So you bring in an eighteen million dollars salary. But what I think would happen with Tennessee is we've seen this a bunch across the NFL. Von Miller, probably the biggest example. It happened with Roquan Smith. It happened with you know Robert uh, Quinn last year. The Jets could say, okay, Tennessee, look, right now we'll offer you a twenty twenty five fifth round pick for Ryan Tannehill if we take on the entire eighteen million dollars salary. However. If you're willing, and this actually happened with Tannehill when he went to Tennessee, if you're willing to convert half of that 18 million into a signing bonus and pay Ryan Tannehill that money, we'll send you a 2025 conditional third instead of a fifth. And you know because you're you're eating all that extra you know cash for us. Option three though is they try to convince Tannehill the person, not Tennessee. Hey man, agree to a restructured deal where you lower your salary. So not, not Tennessee retaining it. He just takes less money, which I think to a degree he'd probably be open to. I get it's his last time he's ever going to make real NFL money, but he's made a boatload, you know, already in his NFL career. And maybe he would say, I had the chance to, you know, win a couple playoff games in New York. I don't know, build my personal brand, whatever, in a, in a big market, as opposed to, I don't know, one of the smallest markets in the sport. That is the third path that maybe you try to consider. But anyway, so th that's how it all breaks down. He has made $195 million in his yeah. career, which is <laughs> which is nuts. Uh, I don't think he's ever teach made Teach your kids a to throw. Teach your yeah, kids to throw football. Yeah, teach your kids <laughs> to throw football and stop playing wide receiver. Um, although I guess now he's play receiver. Last two things here. One, thoughts on what actually happens on Sunday. And then two, I'll ask you one or two other questions uh, you know, around the AFC East. I think the biggest thing that people aren't talking enough about is the Chiefs defense is legit, like very, very legit. And they're also the youngest defense in the NFL. I think Trent McDuffie is like quietly becoming a top 10 corner in the league. 
Uh, maybe not there yet, but I, what I love about him is just his versatility. You can play him in the slot if you want to match him up against some teams that love to put their best receiver in the slot. Like against the CD Lamb, I think he'd play 50 snaps in the slot. And then, you know, against somebody else, he, he would kick out wide. So, but then they're, they're front as well. George Karloftis is starting to look like a former first round pick. Obviously, we know Chris Jones is Chris Jones. Um, and then, you know, great linebacker, four good linebackers. You know, the, the secondary is talented. Legereus Sneed is a good slot corner. The safeties are good players and Justin Reed. Um, you know, Brian Cook's coming along. They're their former second round pick. So everyone's talking about their offense, which of course I understand, but that defense is like for real. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I I watched the Bears Chiefs game. It was legitimately they my Fox local broadcast changed to a different game at halftime. And Kurt Menefee was like, We're gonna put on a more competitive football game. Uh, and Taylor Swift's in the building and they're doing that. So it probably took a lot for them uh to go that route. But I'll be honest. I, I'm very rosy on the pot. I think this one's going to be pretty ugly, if I'm being frank. Yeah, not look. I. It's hard not to. It's hard not to feel that way. Um, I'm not sure how I'm going to lean yet. I think it's either going to be similar to Dallas game, or it's going to be a game where you're like, "How is this 20 to 17 with four minutes left?" And like, why wow, the Jets defense is balling? Kind of similar to the Buffalo game, where like, "Oh wow, they have a shot here. Like, go make a play, and you know, maybe you maybe you steal one." The Jets always steal one or two games a year that you're like what and then there's one or two that they lose that you're like there's no way they just lost this game we saw it last year they beat buffalo and no one expected to and then they went to new england and laid an absolute egg or new england and minnesota i, I can't remember last year after the the mike white stuff was became uh, a disaster um after he got hurt obviously dolphins bills sunday and then Niners Cowboys next week those the two best games of the year already like I feel like they might be the two best games of the year I know we're going to get Dallas Philly twice those kind of feel like the two best games of the year now I agree I, I mean this this Buffalo Miami game is gonna be awesome I know Miami goes to Philly in like week seven too so that one's gonna be a lot of fun but yeah I mean I just don't see look the, the defenses are talented for both of these teams but I don't really see how the defenses keep up here. I mean, the Bills secondary to me is a problem. Like their safeties are ancient. Jordan Poyer has looked really bad. Uh, Micah Hyde is, I think, probably not even playing at this point. So, and then Tredavious White, love the guy, always have. But that, that ACL injury, I think, changed who he is as a player. So, I don't see how they keep up speed-wise with Miami. And then on the flip side, I like Miami, but Jalen Phillips, not 100%. Um you know, a couple other issues there. Obviously, I mean, Eli Apple, you can you you can just uh, I mean, it's fun digs if he gets a matchup with Eli Apple. I would I would just throw it without even looking if I'm Josh Allen. Um, so yeah, I think points, points, points. I think it's gonna be a super exciting game. The total is like 53 and a half. I think it's still gonna go over that number. Uh, that'll be a fun one to watch for sure. Yeah, and then lastly, how many how excited are you getting about Caleb Williams? Are you like, are you in yet? Are you like not allowing yourself to get too excited? Like, where are you at with the the, the sweepstakes? Oh, I'm all the way in. I, yeah, no, I, I I will say this. The Chiefs game was not Justin Fields' fault. I, I watched the film and then, and now we look, ignore my opinion. We've now seen like seven different former quarterbacks like Kyle Sloter, uh, Kurt Warner, uh, JT O'Sullivan, obviously. Like he was not the problem in that game. They actually threw an absolute pearl to DJ Moore. He dropped it. And I think that was, they were going to lose regardless. But to me, that was kind of the, the flipping switch of this game's going to get out of hand in a hurry once he dropped that ball. So, but all that said, yeah, I'm all the way in. I, I watch Caleb Williams, Drake May, and JJ McCarthy tape every single morning on Sunday mornings before the games kick off. I've been doing that since week two. Uh, so, yes. Uh, I and mean, look, I, here's the thing with Fields even if he does figure it out somewhere, it, it, it's probably not going to be in Chicago. Yeah, no, I. I... <laughs> 
I fully agree. I was not a big fields person coming out. I think CJ Stroud's hopefully changing the narrative, you know, with Ohio state quarterbacks, he's looked awesome. Turbo Jared Goff. I know people for some reason thought that was an insult. It's not look at Jared Goff's numbers. That's a pro bowl level quarterback. The Texans need that if they want to D'Amico Ryan's to kind of work there. Um, but again, you know, I just fields doesn't see the him and Zach Wilson have a lot of the same issues. Fields is obviously in a way better, you know, runner but it's a lot of the same issues if they don't see the field well like they can't pull the trigger when they do pull the trigger it feels like they make the wrong decision so um appreciate everybody for listening again two episodes out today make sure you guys are plugged into those uh enjoy the game sunday i'll be there so i don't have to listen to the travis kelsey taylor swift non-stop jammed into my brain you know camera shots every two seconds don't get can't i don't want to get canceled by the swifties but um good for them Careful. i just i just I, good for them i just I'm going to, I want to watch football and enjoy football on, on Sunday. So uh, appreciate everybody for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll have one more set on Friday. Uh, take care and uh, talk to you guys soon.